we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 21st, 2013. And we're going to get into just a little study here on emergency treatment for ricin exposure and other chemical agents. And this is something you can kind of add to a lot of the other studies I've done on proactive things you can do to protect yourself against various things that they may try to implement. <clears throat> I haven't ever really gone into chemical agent specific things. I've gotten a lot to biological agents like, you know, more like a weaponized bird flu or something like that, which is a different animal. Something that they would try to, uh, you know, vaccinate you for. This isn't something that I believe they're going to be able to come up with any kind of vaccine for because we're dealing with pretty much an overt poison here. Uh, because no antidote exists for ricin. Now that's according to the MDs. Uh, the most important factor is avoiding ricin exposure in the first place. If exposure cannot be avoided, the most important factor is then getting the ricin off or out of the body as quickly as possible. All of these are practical things you can do. I have no problem with any of this because it's just practical. The types of supportive care would depend on several factors such as the route by which the victims were poisoned, that is, whether the poison was by inhalation, ingestion, or the skin or the eye exposure. Care could include such measures as helping the victims breathe, giving them intravenous fluids, flushing their stomachs with activated charcoal, if the ricin has been recently ingested. I would highly advise everybody having really several bottles of activated charcoal in their house, any type of poisoning that is, involves ingestion, activated charcoal can be used to bind up the poisons. And, and it's very, very good stuff for that. You can get that at almost any health food store. Um, some drug stores, you can get it online. Um, it's very, very good to have for any type of and food poisoning as well. You feel like you're... You got food poison, you ate some fish that was a little old or whatever, you start to feel that initial signs of, man, my stomach's starting to hurt. Wow, this is weird. That's when you want to hit the activated charcoal heavily, okay? Like five, six capsules of this stuff. Get it into your system, and if you wait too long, you're still going to get sick, but you won't get near as sick. If you can get it in that initial stage, then... A lot of times it'll just knock it out of your system and you won't even know you had food poisoning. It can be that dramatic. Okay, and if any of you have had food poisoning, a lot of people have, you know how horrific <laughs> that can be. I mean, you want to basically die. I had it so bad once, I was just like, I would rather die than live this way. I mean, I was in that much agony. And, um, of course, I know you don't really know what you're saying at the time, but I mean, this is before I was saved and it was it was bad. And then I've also had other times where I was food poisoned or had contact with food poison and then took, I believe in, in one time I took activated charcoal, I've taken ben, bentonite clay uh, as well, that works good. I think activated charcoal is the best though for, for this type of application and it's amazing stuff, it really is. It's the same thing they pump into your stomach if, if you uh, like OD on whatever. You know, let's say you try to kill yourself and you OD'd and they go in and they pump your stomach and they put activated charcoal. And it's to bind up all the poisons. So it's good stuff. Anyway, um, also washing out your eyes with water if they've been irritated. How can you know whether you've been exposed to ricin? If we suspect that people have inhaled ricin, a potential clue would be that large numbers of people who have been close to each other suddenly develop fever, cough, and excess fluid in their lungs. Um... Fluid in the lungs can kill you real quick. Okay, that's called congestive heart failure. That's the that's the end sign of congestive heart failure. It's the fluid in the lungs that that kills you. Okay, so that's bad bad stuff. Uh, these symptoms could be followed by severe breathing problems and possibly death. Um, no widely available reliable tests exist to confirm that a person has been exposed to ricin. But I imagine if there was some supposed terrorist attack in your area, that would be public knowledge. And you started coming down with the same symptoms, well, then you know that you've been exposed. Uh, how you can protect yourself and what to do if you're exposed to ricin. Cover your nose and mouth with a wet piece of fabric as soon uh, after the attack as possible. Now, remember, they got this weaponized grade. It's down to three microns in size. 
your that would be your best. If you had nothing else, um, you could um, if you were wearing like a t-shirt, pull it over your nose, pull it over your eyes too. I mean, if you could see through your shirt at all, I don't know. I mean, because you don't want to get in your eyes either. That's another access point into your body. Okay, and um, get out of the area as soon as possible if you have access to like a wet. Uh, a wet cloth or something, or even to wet your shirt. I mean, granted, that's not ideal, but it's better than just going there and inhaling the stuff in. Um, so cover your nose and mouth with a wet piece of fabric as soon after the attack as possible. If it is not possible, try breathing through your shirt. At least it's something, you know. By doing this, some of the pores, poisonous spores will be eliminated and you will not breathe them in. Next thing, leave the area that was attacked as soon as possible. Prolonged exposure to the harmful chemical will lessen your chances of survival. If you can escape to an area where water is flowing, immerse yourself in the water to wash off the immediate effects of the ricin. Uh, third thing, hold your breath, if you can, until you're out of the attack area. If you are unable to do this, take short, shallow breaths until you are away from your area. And again, it would be good to breathe through something. Breathing through you know, your shirt, a jacket, something where you're not inhaling it directly. Um, just practical things that you might not think to do about unless you had been told at one point. So this will, again, lessen the number of poisonous spores you inhale through your mouth or nose. If you think you may have been exposed to ricin, you should remove your clothing, rapidly wash your entire body with soap and water. Removing your clothing. Quickly take off your clothing that may have ricin on it. Any clothing that has been pulled over the head should that has to be pulled over the head, should be cut off the body instead of pulled over the head. That's something that you may not know. I didn't even know that. So, And then it says, if you are helping other people remove their clothing, try to avoid touching any contaminated areas and removing the clothing as quickly as possible. Um, when you wash yourself, wash as quickly as possible. Wash away any ricin from your skin with large amounts of soap and water. Washing with soap and water will help protect people from any chemicals on their bodies. Um, I would have to say that you'd probably want to start out with more cooler water, wash yourself really good, and then more hotter, where your pores are going to open up. You wouldn't want that initially to happen. So do that first, and then probably, I think you go to the warmer water if you have that as an option at that point. Um, washing... Okay, so if your eyes are burning or your vision is blurred, rinse your eyes with plain water for 10 to 15 minutes. If you wear contacts, remove them and put them with the contaminated clothing. Do not put the contacts back in your eyes, even if they are dis even if they're not disposable. If you wear eyeglasses, wash them with soap and water, and then you can put them back after you've washed them. So it, it doesn't it doesn't appear that this stuff is very hard to decontaminate yourself from. Like let's say I don't know some other really bad biological agent, but it's incredibly deadly at the same time. So, anyway. Okay, and the next point is disposing of your clothes. After you've washed yourself, place your clothing inside a plastic bag. Uh, avoid touching contaminated areas of the clothing. If you can't avoid touching contaminated areas, or you aren't sure where the contaminated areas are, wear rubber gloves, turn the bag inside out, and use it to pick up the clothing. Or put the clothing in the bag using tongs, tool handles, sticks, or similar objects. Anything that touches the contaminated clothing should be also placed in the bag. If you wear contacts, put them in the plastic bag too. Might be something that if you had access to, you'd want to burn as well. Okay. Um, I guess you could wash them. But then again, I don't know what the implications of that are with the washing machine. Eh, I don't think I'd want to mess with that. We're talking about something that's mega, mega, mega deadly, so you would probably want to try to err on the side of safety. Um, then seal the bag, and then seal the bag inside another plastic bag. Dispose of your, of your clothing in this way will help protect you and your other people from any chemicals that might be in your clothes. Obviously, you wouldn't want to just put this in the garbage, okay, and let the garbage man take it out, okay, and you wouldn't want to do that either. So, um, I would have to say erring on the side of safety would be burning them. Uh, that would be probably my recommendation. So anyway, let's go further. Uh, this is a book which gets in chemical, biological, and radiological warfare agents survival handbook. 
So if you want to know more about this subject in general, I have covered the biological and radiological things in some previous studies. Uh, not so much chemical. Uh, the first few minutes after a chemical, biological, or radiological, which is a, called a CBR terrorist attack, are the most critical, and actions can be taken to save lives. The first priority is to avoid or reduce exposure. Every minute loss may cost lives, and it is unlikely that experts will be present immediately to advise. Safety lies not in expensive equipment, but in the knowledge of these weapons and the defensive actions they can confer protection. Do you know how to protect yourself during a chemical, biological, or radiological terrorist attack? What protects and what does not? How safe is your water supply? How great is the risk of you experiencing an attack? Can you recognize the signs of chemical, biological, or radiological terrorist attacks? Few people have practical understanding of CBR weapons. There are a plethora of related topics like chemical warfare agents, ricin, they actually specifically talk about ricin here, gas masks, and damage limitation measures for... Because, see, the gas masks are a whole other combo, a whole other thing you could get into, you know. And preferably a gas mask with something, obviously, over the eyes and something that seals well to the skin. Because, um, again, you're going to be protecting your eyes and anything you inhale. So, which are the two, obviously, the main ways they get in your body. Lung, ingestion, like on food or water and... Um, obviously air, and then through your eyes. So you're taking care of a lot of things with a good gas mask. Uh, it's obviously, it's not going to protect your skin, and that's a, another thing. But this is like a, a book regarding that particular subject. So anyway, I give you the link to that if, you, if you're interested. Uh, I've, I've given out links before as well regarding this. It's just that you have to kind of search some of my teachings to find those. Um, okay, next report. April 19th, which I know was a couple days ago, uh, a special occult, occult day leading up to Walpurgis Night and then May 1st Beltane. Um, Satanists and followers of Lucifer prepare for April 19th and the days afterward leading up to May 1st Beltane. Uh, watch on these days for major occurrences as well as situations of Manchurian monarch ops, meaning a Manchurian type candidate mind control CIA, MKUltra, Mind Control Slave, which we've talked a lot about in the past. We're going to be going over some things that happened in April and um, the Easter weekend we have typically in April, many times. From an occult standpoint, they have on that weekend, on Ishtar, which is really what it should be called. It's an occult holiday. It has nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a pagan holiday that was, quote, Christianized, just like Christmas for the benefit of the pagans that were in the initial phases of the Catholic Church. Um, Ishtar, Easter was originally celebrated to honor the goddess Ishtar. Okay. Um, Christmas was originally known as Saturnalia, which honored the sun god, not son of God, but sun god, Tammuz. Okay. So, I've gotten into all this, I've done whole teachings, just key in either Easter, Ishtar, Christmas, Xmas, whatever, in the keyword search box, at contendingfortruth.com if you want to know more about that. Uh, because that's a that's something very important. And Easter weekend is traditionally celebrated by occultists as a black mass, or also called Black Sabbath. To mock the death of Jesus Christ, a man is actually sacrificed on Good Friday. See, this is how Satanists celebrate that week. You know, um, on Easter Sunday, known to Satanists as Unholy Sunday, a woman or a man is also sacrificed, followed by three days of fasting and chanting. Now, they're fasting and chanting to whatever um, fallen angel or devil or Satan that they're worshiping. Now, April 19th of that month, and remember, this is the time period where they see more kidnappings statistically than any other time. Okay, every single year, and we'll prove that at the end here, because re, I'm reposting the chart that I mentioned earlier on the teaching I did a couple ago on all the statistics. Um, April 19th, which was a couple days ago, through actually um, May 1st, is a very important time period to Satanists. So April 19th to May 1st. 
Very important time period of Satanists. That's what we're in right now. We're in the very beginning stages. Lucifer follows... Uh, it's a very important period to Satanists, Lucifer's followers, and the Illuminati. Blood sacrifice to the beast Moloch begins this most critical 13-day period. They'll typically run in 13-day periods, 13 being the number of rebellion. Fire sacrifice is required on April 19th. Especially children and women are just plain innocent victims that many consider collateral damage. And we had that, we had that Waco bombing, that Waco supposed fertilizer thing happen that killed them a lot of people, through fire, and that was in that time frame. So, that was also very telling. Uh, April 19th is the first day of the 13-day satanic ritual day relating to the fire god Baal, or Baal, or Molech Nimrod, the sun god, also known as the Roman god Saturn, which is where we get the holiday Saturnalia, which is Xmas, December 25th. Um, Also, Saturn being the sixth planet from the sun, six, and Saturn having six letters, six, and also Saturn, you just rearrange the uh, letters and you get Satan, pretty easy, or a, a very close proximity of it, okay? It's, Saturn is essentially an acronym, another way of saying Satan, okay? The talisman of Saturn is the six-pointed hexagram, which is the star to your god, Rempham, that the Bible talks about in Acts, okay? Uh, six-pointed star is a hexagram. It is not a good symbol. It's not a holy symbol on the Israeli flag. Key in hexagram in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com and you'll hear my study I did on the hexagram. It is one of the highest, most wicked, evil symbols in all of witchcraft. It is incredibly wicked, evil. It's a six-pointed star. It's a hexagram. Hex means curse. And no red flags here. <laughs> so, again, I'm just kind of going over some things I've talked about in times past. Now, going further, from the 19th to the 25th, which is the time period we're in right now, there is sacrifice preparation, meaning they're kidnapping people right now. This is why there's so many kidnappings associated with this time period. Because there's all kind of rituals that require human sacrifice. You've got Ishtar. You've got April 19th, which is the start of the 13th day um, fire ritual relating to Baal, Moloch, Nimrod, or Saturn. And it requires human sacrifice. You've got the 19th through the 25th, which requires sacrifice preparation, kidnapping, holding, and ceremonial preparation of the person for human sacrifice. They just don't like abduct somebody that day. They abduct them, traumatize them, prepare them for sacrifice. Okay, that's what they do. These sick devils from the pits of hell are doing this right now. This is something the church collectively should be praying about, but most churches would never even mention something like this because it would be way too uncomfortable for the parishioners. Well, I bet you it's really uncomfortable for the people that are being kidnapped right now, especially the little children and animals in some cases. Adolescents, humans, whatever, adults... It's not going to be comfortable for them at all when they're sacrificed in the most horrific way possible to to enact the most trauma. Because it's like these devils feed off the terror that they produce. The devils literally do feed off fear and terror that they inflict. Okay? This This isn't a game. This is how Satanists, Luciferians, the Illuminati, the wicked elite, particularly the elite, but obviously not all of them are, This is how they practice their religion. Most people practice, like if you're a Christian, you practice your religion by going to church on Sundays. This is how they practice their religion. Now, on the 25th, it's called the demure ritual, or the grand climax, which is sex rituals and the sacrifice of a woman or a young girl. Okay? And this is what they're doing right now. They're preparing for all this. So we all need to be collectively, you know, getting on our knees and praying against this wickedness. Praying God intervene, praying God send his holy angels in, or whatever means necessary to um, destroy their wicked plans, to um, prevent the sacrificial victims from being sacrificed, if it be his will. Uh, that God would intervene, that the sacrificial victims would be released, and, and that for their salvation, and if it be possible... For the salvation of the people doing this. 
Because I, I know in some instances, the, some of these people could get saved. I'm not saying all of them. I'm talking about the ones doing this. But some of them, I do believe, could. And that's not our choice. That's, that's God's. That's between them and God. So, the 30th then, we, we skip five days to the 30th, and that's called Walpurgis Night. And it's one of the most important nights on the Satanic calendar of blood rituals and human sacrifice take place. I don't know of any time in the year where more human sacrifices are supposed to happen. You got one on the 19th, you got one on the 25th, you got one on the 30th. And then you got one, another one, and, and, and I'm not saying one, it could be multiple, the next day, on April 30th, actually to May 1st, which May 1st is actually considered Beltane. Okay? But this April 30th to May 1st is the Beltane Festival. And this is the highest time of the Druidic Witches calendar, uh, while May 1st, human sacrifice is required. What's well, also required, it sounds like, on the, on the 30th. So you got, within a 13-day period, you've got four different dates that require human sacrifice. I don't know any other time of the year that that's the case. That's why I think this is considered the most important satanic holiday that there is. I mean, I guess you could compare it to, to Halloween, but I don't think there's as much leading up to Halloween as this. It would depend on what sect and what part of witchcraft you're involved with, I think. Because it's diverse. Um, so, human sacrifice is required on May 1st. Beltane, which was the day that the Illuminati was actually formed in 1776, May 1st, by Adam Um That's why 1776 in Roman numerals is at the bottom of the base of the truncated pyramid, the unfinished pyramid, on the back of the $1 bill. The pyramid has 13 levels, 13 main levels to the Illuminati hierarchy, with the all-knowing eye of Lucifer at the headstone. And around it, it says, Novus Order Secorum, or Anut Quaeptus Novus Order Secorum, which means announcing the birth of the New World Order, which was on May 1st, Beltane, 1776. Oh, no, that was the year the Declaration of Independence was whatever, came into fruition, signed. Yeah, July 4th. Bay, um, May 1st, 1776 was actually done before the Declaration of Independence. So, that's why it's on there. <laughs> the back of the $1 bill is just an occult uh, nightmare. <laughs> it, it, it's, there's so many occultic things on the back of the $1 bill. Not on the front, too, but most on the back. Um, so, since this celebration officially began on the night before Beltane, which was the Walpurgis night on April 30th, the tradition has developed among occultists to celebrate Beltane as a two-day ceremony. Sounds like they do sacrifices both nights. The tradition was strong enough that Adolf Hitler, who was a high-level occultist, decided to kill himself on April 30th at 3.30 p.m., thus creating a 3-3-3 and placing his suicidal sacrifice within the Beltane time frame. They're that sick. Occultists do everything, try to do everything by the number, the occult number, whenever possible. Great bonfires are lit on the eve of Beltane, April 30th, in order to welcome the earth goddess. Participants hope to gain favor with the goddess so she will bless their families with procreative fertility. These are fertility rites. This is why Ishtar is worshipped during this time of year, because Ishtar is a fertility goddess. Supposedly Ishtar, or Easter, which is where we get the word Easter, fell out of the sky in a multicolored egg from the heavens, multicolored eggs, where we have, why we have eggs for Easter, into a wicker, like, into the wicker reeds. This is why they have wicker baskets they carry around the eggs in, the multicolored eggs. It's all pagan fertility rites. That's why we have bunnies associated with Easter. Why? Because bunnies are the fastest procreating animal on the planet, a mammal. That's why. Okay, what does an Easter bunny have to do with Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? <laughs> what do eggs, multicolored eggs in wicker baskets have to do with Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? Absolutely nothing. These virgins were brought about during that time and impregnated by the high priest on an altar of, to Ishtar 
And then their babies were sacrificed, who were then three months old, a year later on the same altars. That's what they did. It's a fertility rite. They'd impregnate the virgins. They'd have their babies nine months later. Then they'd take the three-month-old baby the year later and sacrifice it on the same altar. This is how sick these people are and how sick they've been going as far back as this garbage has been celebrated. Probably all the way back to Babylon. So, I, I get into this a lot more in the studies I've done on Easter. So, I'm just kind of touching that subject. It's pure evil wickedness. Okay? So, um, we find it interesting that the Royal House of Windsor, one of the families of the Illuminati or close to it, lights a Beltane bale fire every year. Bonfire. You know where that word comes from? It's a bone fire. It was a, it was a fire that was lit to for human sacrifices. A bone fire. What they do many times is they would take a human, their sacrificial victim, and they would hollow out a log and put him in the log. That, that log put the person in the log, okay, stuff him in there somehow when he was alive, and then burn the log on the fire. That's why they call it bone fires. Because you're burning their bones and their body. Really, really sick stuff. You want to know more about that? Listen to my teaching on Halloween. On on the Wicker Man. Wicker seems to be integral in all of this. Wicker. You know? Wicker baskets for the eggs. Wicker Man and Halloween that they burn with human sacrifices in it. Yeah. There was even a show called The Wicker Man. I think two different ones. Horror, horror movies. Where they totally documented and proved that. But I didn't need those shows for that to be true. It was, it's been documented throughout history. Anyway, then the Maypole originated from the celebration of Beltane. Since fertility is being asked of the earth goddess, the Maypole is the phallic symbol, and the circular dance around the pole forms the circle that is symbolic of the female reproductive organ. Four to six feet foot alternating red and white ribbons were connected to the pole. The men would dance counterclockwise while the ladies danced clockwise. The union of the intertwining red and white ribbons symbolized the act of copulation. Remember, this is a fertility celebration day. Isn't it ironic that they celebrate fertility more through human sacrifice than any other thing? I mean, isn't that kind of counterproductive to uh, fertility? Killing people? But they believe they have to kill people in order to have that. For the land to be fertile. And for themselves to be fertile. They believe that's all given by these maggot-fallen angels, essentially. Sorry, but they, they pretty much are. They pose as gods that they worship, and they have to go to these same devil-fallen angels, or devils, demons, whatever you want to call them, to gain favor. And these devil-fallen angels always require human sacrifice. Because they're of the father of the devil, and of his lust, and of his works, they will do. So... These people get into these religions, these fertility... And again, this is going to be the coming essence of the New World Order, witchcraft. Witchcraft is everywhere I look, essentially, online. Any type of new show or whatever, it seems like more and more and more they emphasize witchcraft over and over and over again. Witchcraft is going to be the coming backbone of the New World Order religion. Just key in witchcraft in the search box at uh, contendingfortruth.com and you'll see. So, going further. Remember, the Illuminati considers war to be an acceptable way for sacrifice as well, for it kills both children and adults indiscriminately. Killing indiscriminately is an accepted manner for killing those who are unsuspectingly killed in some ritualistic blood sacrifice. I mean, in World War II... I've seen more than one documentary. At first, when we started bombing, we were trying to bomb surgically. Surgical tactical strikes. But what was happening is, is those areas were so well defended with flak, flak guns, that they were, we were taking tremendous losses, particularly if they tried to bomb by day, which is what we were doing initially, the Americans. Tactical surgical strikes, bombing by day. We were just getting decimated. Okay. The English had already figured out that didn't work. They were trying to bomb by night, and they were just carpet bombing, basically cities, to try to weaken the morale. But, I mean, 
you're over there, you're bombing women and children, mostly, because the men were out to war, and, and elderly and stuff, and all of these people dying in fire, most of them fire, or just the bomb themselves, all of those are considered acceptable sacrifices to Satan by the Illuminati, who are the ones that play both sides of these types of wars. I'm not saying Hitler wasn't evil and that we shouldn't have fought him in this type of thing, but we ended up doing the same thing the British were doing, basically just going out on night raids and bombing cities indiscriminately. It's like, man, I mean, you know, that's that's really heavy duty. You're killing women, children, elderly, just indiscriminately at that point, you know. And again, this is all considered by the Illuminati a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's happening. Um, killing indiscriminately is an accepted manner for killing those that are unsuspectingly killed for some ritualistic blood sacrifice. Particularly if fire is involved. They like that a lot too because it's, oh, it's just sick. Now, I reposted the year and most number of kidnappings sorted by month. Okay, And again, every, um, every single year, well, this is just from 2007 to... Uh, 2012, I think. Every year, you've got May and April in the top three. May and April. And it's no wonder, after what I just went over today, four different dates for human sacrifices within a 13-day period? Whoa! And that may mean multiple. We've got... I believe approaching at least a million people missing every year in America. This is according to their statistics. Who knows what the real numbers are? So particularly in big cities. People go missing all the time. And, the, and the, the, the poor and the indigent and the drug addicts and these types of people, nobody, I'm not saying nobody cares, but these are people that are considered cast-offs from society. And if they go missing, people just think, well, I was there, I don't know where they ended up or whatever. At least a million per year. Okay, where are they all going? <laughs> it's a lot now, but we don't, we don't, we're not in that mindset because if one little well-known girl locally goes missing, they make such a big stink about it. Local news, but there's a whole other sect of society where they make no peep about it at all, and that's why we think that this isn't happening. So, um. That's something to think about. So I give you all those statistics and links to each one. Disappearing Disappearance statistics linked at the FBI. Okay, so some very important historic dates that were staged according to uh, this blood sacrifice. Now, we're just talking about April 19th here. Okay, um, These are just some of the ma more major dates where something really heavy duty went down on April 19th where people were killed. Okay, And remember, that's just the start of the 13-day sacrificial period. April 19th, 1775, Battle of Lexington and Concord, which made the Revolutionary War inevitable, but which led to the independence of the colonies. This was the shot that was heard around the world. Okay? Um, that was where that all started. Okay? Uh, April 19th, 1861, the Baltimore Riot considered the first bloodshed of the Civil War. Okay, so I mean, here we got the first bloodshed of the Revolutionary War, essentially. April 19, 1775. Then we have April 19, 1861. Baltimore riot considered the first bloodshed of the Civil War, which was the next biggest war America was in after the Revolutionary. That's, isn't, that, isn't that a little bit of a weird, strange coincidence? <laughs> I mean, wow, that's heavy duty. Revolution, um, a clash between pro-South civilians and Union troops in Maryland's largest city resulted in what is commonly accepted as the first bloodshed of the Civil War. Um, Lincoln orders blockade of Confederate ports then. This is what, okay, both occurring on April 19th. Wow. Why isn't this in the history books? You know? Um, I mean, emphasized in the history books. April 19th, 1904, the Great Fire of Toronto. April 19th, 1943, after trapping the last Jewish resistance fighters in a storm drain in Warsaw, Poland, and holding them for several days, Nazi stormtroopers waited, they waited several days, and then began to pour fire into each end of the storm drain using flamethrowers. Why didn't they just do it the first day? Because they wanted it to be April 19th. 
Remember, Hitler killed himself within that whole Beltane Fire Festival event. Okay, so he knew about this. They waited until April 19, 1943, and poured fire into each end of the storm drain where the Jewish resistance fighters were using flamethrowers. The Nazi stormtroopers continued pouring the fire into the drain until all the resistors were burned alive. I mean, these, these are some sick devils. Blood sacrifice brought about by a fiery conflagration was rumored to have been ordered by those in Nazi high command or even Hitler himself who demanded blood on April 19, 1943. He was a high-level occultist. April 19, 1989, a gun turret explodes on the USS Iowa killing 47 sailors. Remember, these are mostly fire, death by fire here we're dealing with here. Uh, April, here's another one, April 19, 1993, 51-day siege of the Branch Davidian building outside the Waco, Texas, ends when a fire breaks out that was totally lit by our own government, and 81 people die, many of them little women and children, in fire, sacrificial ritual. Secret Delta Force soldiers combat armed government troops from a multitude of agencies led by the FBI, imagine that. Army tanks and other military equipment stormed the compound of the David Koresh and his followers at Waco, Texas. Waco, huh? And that's just where the fertilizer bomb went off. And many said it was either a plane or a missile that caused it. And from the footage I saw, it absolutely looked that way. The actual explosion came in to it. It didn't explode out. It came in initially and then it exploded. Looked like something came in very quickly. Certainly, this operation fulfilled the basic requirements for human sacrifice and blood ritual trauma. Fire and young sacrificial victims murdered on the suspected orders of good old Janet Butcherino and Bill Clinton for dark and sinister reasons, important only for their evil group's agenda. Yes, this is how wicked our government is. And it goes all the way to the top in their puppet handlers and then it filters down. It is that bad. So if they're willing to do this, Imagine what they've got planned for the American populace at large. Now remember, our God is the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, and they're on the throne, and we can appeal to them directly for protection and these types of things. So I'm not saying that to like freak everybody out. Our God is infinitely bigger than their God, Satan. So that's what we need to keep in our head. April 19th, 1993. South Dakota Governor George Mickelson and seven others are killed when a state-owned aircraft crashed in Iowa. April 19th, 1995. Imagine this, Oklahoma City bombing. Huh. Once again, many women and young children were sacrificially killed this day because there was a daycare there. Totally, I mean, all of these, I could do individual studies on debunking and showing all of the proof the government had everything to do with these things. Okay? It's been proven over and over again. There's been whole videos done on this. Oklahoma City, Waco, whatever. And again, we have fire, um, you know, bomb. And young men and women and children were killed. And it was carried out to stigmatize Americans' militia groups with Christian values. Scapegoat Patsy. The media used this incident to demand new laws and focus toward the militia groups. Oklahoma City bombing um, killed 168 people. Uh, then, April 20th. Now, this is one day later, but again, remember, this is this 13-day period. Okay, So, April 20th, 1999, very close, the Columbine High School Massacre. Sometimes they don't always get their exact event on the exact day they want it. That's another thing to think about as well. They, they, uh, I mean, obviously, look at the Boston thing that we just documented. Obviously, everything didn't go according to plan, <laughs> you know. So, but the Columbine High School Massacre, April 20th, 1999. Um, in addition, a complex and highly planned attack involved a firebomb to divert firefighters. Pro propane tanks converted to bombs placed in the cafeteria. 99 explosive devices. You're telling me two kids in high school pulled all this off by themselves? Come on. Give me a break. And bombs rigged in cars. Two senior students, Eric Harris and Dylan Kleibold, murdered a total of 12 students and one teacher. They injured 21 additional students with three other people being injured while attempting to escape the school. The pair then committed suicide, which is classic MK Ultra Patsy mind control slave programming. They turn the guns on themselves, blow their own brains out. No witnesses, nobody to talk. That's what we. That's what the government doesn't like. 
They don't want anybody there to talk afterward. The Columbine High School Massacre is the deadliest mass murder committed on an American high school campus and is noted as one of the first and most serious of the series of high-profile spree shootings which have since occurred. The massacre sparked debate over gun control laws. Imagine that. But if people were armed in the school, they would have killed these devils before they would have done probably... I mean, if, if there were four teachers in that school, faculty, that were armed... Many times, once, and this is normal, once they're confronted with anyone else armed, they'll typically, that suicide program will kick in, and they kill themselves. Happens all the time. Okay? So all it would probably take is some return fire, maybe not even hitting them, for them to, you know, kick that old suicide program into motion, and no more people killed other than them. Which they were obviously going to do anyway, because they did do that very thing. Okay? So... Um, it's just, you know, it's very crazy when you look at all the stuff. Let's see here. Uh, so the massacre sparked, sparked debate over gun control laws, the availability of firearms within the United States and gun violence involving youths. April 20th, 2010, a suspicious explosion on the Deepwater Horizon offshore drilling rig, hmm, <laughs> operated in the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Louisiana, occurred on April 20th. So again, April 20th, a day later, within that 13-day sacrificial, it was also fire. It was a big reason why we ended up moving up here. It was one of the things that got me to get out of that area. You know, the whole Gulf of Mexico region. And that problem has not went away. It's horrific as ever. Just a gigantic, massive cover-up there. So, um, now, last article... In an incredible display of spiritual ignorance, hundreds of, quote, Christians faced the obelisk of the Washington Monument, the biggest obelisk on the planet, uh, biggest phallic symbol on the planet, for Easter sunrise service. Mimicking dedicated sun worshippers, these Christians welcomed the rising of the sun on Easter Ishtar morning. This is from a news brief. An MRC employee snapped this powerful shot at the Easter sunrise service on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. As you can see from this photo, several hundred Christians gather at the Lincoln Memorial to celebrate Jesus' resurrection by welcoming the rising of the sun, of the sun God. As you can also see if you look closely, and there's a picture here in the PDF, these people are facing away from the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument obelisk and the sun's rising in the back of the obelisk. So how much more pagan garbage could you have going on in one, quote, Christian 501c3 corporate church service? Oh, sorry. How much more? Why? I mean, I think you should also have Satan, the horned beast, Baphomet, with a, you know, hexagram and pentagram in the foreground of the uh, obelisk of the Washington Monument. I think that would be a nice touch as well. You know, I mean, hey, if you're going to go all the way, do it. Go all the way, you know. Um, you're going to live like the devil, you might as well just, you know, really, really go after it. So, what is the problem, you might ask? Pagan sun worshippers have worshipped the sun in exactly the same manner for at least 4,000 years. And here's the picture. Further, pagan sun worshippers face the obelisk as the sun rises which is exactly what they were doing. What is an obelisk, you might ask? Read full details in the, there's a link here, and it's entitled Masonic Symbols of Power in Their Seat of Power, Washington, D.C. Um, Washington, D.C. is an absolute total occult symbol. (laughs) I mean, a collection of occult symbols like probably no other place on Earth. If you don't believe that, Watch the video, Riddles in Stone, The Secret Architecture of Washington, D.C. You can probably go up on YouTube and watch it, or I give you a link here if you want to buy it. Um, Very, very good. Documents it. I mean, there's no doubt. The history of Washington, D.C. and the history of this country was based on occult paganism, not on Christian values. Now, I'm not saying there weren't any Christians, but I'm saying at its core root, You look at Washington, D.C., you look at the layout of the city, you look at all the pagan symbols that were there from the very beginning, you look at the fact that Washington, uh, George Washington was a high-level Freemason, and so were many of the others at that time, and then after that, and I've done a whole study on George Washington, just came Washington, if you you think that he was a real Christian. I'm sorry, but 
the evidence is way to the contrary, and I'm talking about based on his own writings. Uh, so, anyway, but that was that was part for the course. There's a veneer of Christianity. But if you scratch the surface further and you dig deeper, you'll find out that it was based on the Freemasons and a lot of the um, New World Order agenda that started way back then. Remember what I said. The reason that 1776 is on the back of the $1 bill, okay, anoint Coepsis Novus Order Socorum, announcing the birth of the New World Order in 1776 on, Be- on May Day or Beltane, that's the reason. It started then. Okay, that was the inception and the beginning of the great republic that we have now. It was based in high-level occult paganism and witchcraft. And it's so flagrantly obvious if you just look at the back of the $1 bill alone, not to mention all the other evidence there that exists. You want to see more evidence? Watch Riddles in Stone. It's, it's all there. The Jews, during the time of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, had a blended sun worship with the worship of God. As we can see in the scriptural references in regard to the Queen of Heaven. Um, Ezekiel 8, 5-16 talks about men standing with their backs to the temple of God, facing the east and worshiping the sun. Okay, now I'm going to read you that. This is where we get the first Easter sunrise service. Okay, this is the first Easter sunrise service. The, or this is a pattern of it, okay? And they were worshiping Tammuz in, in the previous verses. And then he says to Ezekiel, God says, And then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. Now, the abominations they just talked about were women weeping for the death of Tammuz, okay, in the temple of God. Okay, Tammuz, like the reborn sun god, the, the, the offspring of Semiramis and Nimrod. Okay, Tammuz. And this is again why we get the 40-day Lenthian period, because Tammuz was killed on his 40th birthday. He wasn't such a great hunter. He was killed by a wild boar. That's why you eat pig. You eat boar pig at the end of the Lenthian 40, day, 40 days for, for uh, one day for each year of Tammuz's life. I got into this before when we did the study on, I believe, Good Friday. And we got into that a little further. So, it's all tied together. It's all tied together, all this occult garbage. So, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. So, in other words, God's saying, when you saw the women weeping for Tammuz and his death in my temple, now I'm going to show you something that's even more of a greater abomination to me than women weeping for Tammuz in my own temple. So, what might that be? He brought... Me, meaning Ezekiel, into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men. And their backs toward the temple of the Lord. So they were facing away from the temple, which is kind of blasphemous, as it is. And their faces were toward the east. Sun rises in the east and sets in the west, right? They were, their faces were toward the east and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Well, how could they worship the sun... If it wasn't an east, uh, some type of sunrise service. Because you're not going to worship the sun if it's right overhead. They were worshiping toward the sun because it was just coming up. Okay, it's exactly what they're doing here. Except these wonderful Christians added in the largest obelisk slash phallic symbol on the planet that they were worshiping and facing toward as well as the sun. And they were doing it on Ishtar. So you've got the phallic symbol, which is the satanic sign of procreation. You're doing it on Ishtar, which is a fertility, pagan fertility rite, which requires human sacrifice. And they're doing it, oh my word, I mean, do you, is it just me, or, or I mean, is that like got to be one of the most blasphemous things you've ever heard that anyone could possibly do? I mean, why didn't they just sacrifice somebody too while they were going to go after, you know, I said, if you're going to go after, you know, might as well do it right. Oh, I'm, I guarantee you some of them were probably Satanists, just posing as Christians. That's heavily infiltrated many times, many of these denominations with Satanists. If you're part of a coven, you're, you're instructed to go into a church and infiltrate it and defile it and bring as much division and chaos as you can and seduce, if you're a woman, seduce men in high positions. If you're a man, try to, whatever they're telling you to do in which coven. I've seen them interviewed. It's like they're very matter-of-fact about it. 
So Albert Pike wrote, Albert Pike, the man that was credited with single-handedly resurrecting Freemasonry, the highest-ranking Freemason of his time, the only Confederate war general that has a statue of himself within the city limits of Washington, D.C. Think about that. Why would they have a statue of a Confederate war general inside the city limits of Washington, D.C.? Well, he's the highest-ranking Freemason of his time. He wielded greater power than, than most politicians would ever hope to. The, the man was pure evil, was the author of Morals and Dogma, which is considered the Bible to the uh, Freemasons, even though many have never read it, doesn't make it any less so. There's an esoteric and exoteric version. In the esoteric version, Albert Pike basically says to all of you of the 30th, 31st, 32nd, and 33rd degree, tell, tell them that we worship the God, the one that the world adores. Like when they say, oh, you know, God bless them, these types of things. But to you, I tell you that we do not worship God, but we worship Lucifer. And now I'm paraphrasing, but I've got the quote. It's on the Chick Tracks about the Freemasons. You can see the quote, exactly what page of the book it comes from. I just put one on a card the other day. I keep them in my car, and what I do is I, I fold them. It's, I think, to about the middle of the track. And it's the quote from Albert Pike where he's talking to the 31st, 30th, 32nd, 33rd degree Freemasons. And he gives that quote about that we worship Lucifer. We tell the world we worship God, the one that the world adores, like the God of the Bible. But to you, I tell you we don't. We worship Lucifer. And this is the guy that we're talking about here. And he says, Albert Pike wrote that all pagan religions worship the sun. Whether they knew it or not, they were actually worshiping Satan. Because as an angel, he was known as Lucifer, or the bearer of light, the light bringer. Okay, And then Isaiah 14.12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Where are they worshipping the sun? Toward the east, in the morning, as it comes up. And in this case, with the, <laughs> the largest phallic symbol on earth, in the foreground, between the sun and it. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, what an abomination... An obelisk is a tall, four-sided stone pillar tapering toward a pyramidal top. The obelisk is critically important to the occultists because they believe that the spirit of the ancient Egyptian sun god, Ra, resided in the obelisk. Thus, the obelisk represents the very presence of the sun god whom the Bible calls Satan. Therefore, each pagan is required to face an obelisk at least once per day even if the obelisk toward which he's facing is 3,000 miles away. Well, the Islamists do the same thing. They bow to Mecca, was well, like three times a day in its honor, and pray toward Mecca. They're doing the same thing here. A hardcore occultist, if they're bound to that particular religious belief practice, will do something maybe not quite as demonstrative as an Islamic person, but nonetheless... Uh, they will do that. The Washington Monument obelisk was placed directly on the Capitol line, precisely 900 feet west of the Capitol. Thus, the inhabitants of the Capitol could face the obelisk daily very easily. However, note that the Washington, D.C. obelisk does not line a straight line 900 feet south of the White House. Why is this? Because it was lined so that it lies in a straight line 900 feet from the House of Understanding. This is the supreme temple of Freemasonry the headquarters of Freemasonry. In the mind of the occultist, the true political administrative power resides in this Freemasonic headquarters. This is where you've got to go. If you're a 33rd degree Freemason and you're initiated into that, you've got to go there. That's where Billy Graham went. That's where a lot of the other so-called Christians went when they got initiated. And Billy Graham was, was up on the Louisiana website for free, famous Freemasons until somebody actually found that out, and they said, hey, what? and then they removed his name. But he was up there. Just do the keyword search for Billy Graham, and my keyword, my, I did a whole teaching on it. He's a Freemason. You can't bow the knee to Baal and God. You can say you are all day long, but it doesn't work that way with God. So, this is what we're dealing with here. And you've got to go to the supreme 
temple there in Washington, D.C. in order to get initiated as a 33rd degree Freemason. You might have to do it for a 32nd degree York Rite, too. 33rd degree Scottish Rite, 32nd degree uh, York Rite. I'm not 100% sure, but I know for sure the 33rd degree. And they make you drink, I think, wine out of a real human skull. And then they, they basically put a cross in front of you and say, spit on it. If and basically like spitting on Jesus. I don't know if it's a crucifix or just a regular cross. And they basically tell you to denigrate Jesus. And if you spit on it, they say, well done. If you don't spit on it, they say, well done. The difference is the people that spit on it get to go further up the food chain. The people that don't spit on it, you're just going to stay a 33rd degree Freemason. They're not going to let you go any further. But there's different degrees. There's higher degrees than 33rd degree. Schneblin claimed to be like a 90th degree or something. Palladian, I don't know. Super duper, you know, Freemason. I don't know if you get to wear a cape at that level or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, that's the difference. A little lighthearted trivia for you there. Uh, let's go further. So, in the mind of the occultist, the true political administrative power resides in this Freemasonic headquarters. Not in the White House. This is why President Andrew Johnson, not Jackson, but Johnson, considered himself to be the subordinate to Albert Pike, the leader of the North American Freemasonry at the time. Remember I said about Albert Pike? Highest ranking Freemason? Only, only Confederate war general with a statue of him inside the city limits in Washington, D.C.? Albert Pike had more actual real power than the President of the United States. By facing the obelisk as the sun arose, those Christian worshippers were mimicking the Egyptian pagan worshippers of, well, thousands of years ago, but also up to modern day. Yet not one of these Christians ever stopped to think what they were doing. Most Christians do not even know that an obelisk is a representation of the phallus of Baal. Did you know that our last five presidents have faced the obelisk as they took their oath of office? <laughs> this is a good sign. You know, it's a good sign when this happens. Here's a news story from Cutting Edge. You can click on the link there. President George W. Bush, Christian or Luminist? Oh, guaranteed Illuminati through and through. We include a picture that was taken as President Ronald Reagan took his inaugural oath of office on January 20, 1881. Not Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the actor Ronald Reagan startled the, the occult world by taking his oath of office from the west wing of the Capitol. Not the east wing as all of his predecessors had done. When President Reagan decided to become the first U.S. president to take his oath from the west wing of the Capitol, he faced the obelisk. This fact meant that he was sending the strongest possible signal to his fellow Illuminists in the world that, after over 205 years of pursuing the goal of establishing the New World Order, remember, announcing the birth of the New World Order, 1776, the back of the $1 bill, okay, after 205 years of pursuing the goal of establishing the New World Order, the kingdom of the Antichrist, or the kingdom of the Antichrist, the plan was entering its final phase, beginning with Reagan. That's why he faced the obelisk. Everything they do at that level is very well thought out and coordinated. Wow, that's something to think about. Every president since then Bush, Clinton, and now George W. Bush, and then also Obama, have similarly taken their oaths of office facing the obelisks. And there's there's links to George, um, I believe, Jr. and Obama about that as well that you can click on here. Since God cares very much about being worshipped in his prescribed methods, no one could truly worship him in a manner created by pagan sun worshippers. I mean, that goes without saying. So, this is the state of things that we face. And that's all I have for today. So, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I pray, God, that whatever, whatever you're trying to accomplish, Lord God, by your truth getting out, by these things being exposed, that you accomplish that, Lord, that there will be no demonic hindrances to these things that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. I pray ultimately, Lord, that people would get saved from getting their eyes open. I mean, it's one thing to know the information, Lord, but I pray that they get saved. I pray that they get right with you. I pray your name be glorified through 
my listeners, through the body of Christ, through ministries like this, wherever your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, that you would lead and win many to the Lord as a result of your efforts through your remnant, through your holy angelic host, Lord, whatever means that you see fit. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And we praise you, we love you, we thank you. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.